Hello and welcome to For the Quantum Grammar Shoot podcast. I'm your host, colon Jason hyphen Matthew colon Glass, and I'm speaking with you using colloquial plain simple English for the ease of the communication. There's a bracket at the beginning of the podcast and a bracket at the end. The subject matter of this podcast deals with my personal stories with regards to the technology known as correct sentence structure communication parse syntax grammar i.e. quantum grammar. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you find value in it. Thank you very much for listening. I'm going to do a bit of a deep dive into the grammar on this edition of the podcast and just talk about word choice and the volition behind one's verbal communications as well as one's written communications. Now, what is contract and what is a contracting venue? Well, it can be anything that you and I agree to or anyone else agrees to. It doesn't have to be written. It can be a handshake. It can be a gesture. It can be a glance. It can be body language. It can be verbal, whatever it is, psychic, whatever the venue is, it must be agreed to and there must be consent between the contract parties so that the terms and conditions can be conveyed and cognized by all contract parties, you know, that are involved in it. It doesn't matter if it's written or verbal or whatever it is, whether it's babble, whatever grammar you choose to use. Because one can be honorable and graceful with Babel. It's quite simple. Honor and grace are independent of those things. Now, as you may or may not know, I am with avoidance of all military contracts in my construct. I do not contract with people who have a volition of war, or martial law, or violence, or coercion, forcing people to do things. I am with avoidance of authoritarian constructs. So I'm going to look at some words here that are words that I look for in contracts and used by people verbally that show me what their volition is. And in turn, I'm going to be sharing with you my auditing techniques uh, for other contract parties or potential contract parties or just other you know, creatures out there and the way they conduct themselves. Because I pay very close attention to the way people conduct themselves and the language that they use. Because the verbal language and written language that one uses is a direct reflection of what's going on inside their head and inside their heart. So if you have someone out there that's, um, you know, using bad words and cussing and calling people bad names and using very violent language, well, then that's a reflection, perhaps, of a very violent and rotten, dirty inside, psyche and heart, perhaps. One has to look at the whole scenario, though. It's just one example. So one word I'm going to look at is the word capture. I remember a census uh, government employee coming to my door not long ago, and I noticed on his computer pad, it said data hyphen capture. It's like, oh, you're capturing my data. You're taking my data captive. 
Well, what does that imply? That implies that the data is being captured against its will, holding it by force. That's what a capture is. That's what a captive is. So think about that when you hear someone use the word captive or capture, because I always do. And as Colin Russell hyphen J Colin Gould and Colin David hyphen Wing Colin Miller have said multiple times in the past, war negates contract. So any type of coercion, capturing those types of things, those are acts of war and they negate contract. Keep that in mind when you think about the history of correct sentence structure, communication, parse, syntax, grammar, and those stories told by the people directly involved in its history. Now, the words that one chooses to use in their verbal communication most times will differ than the words that they will use in their written communication. I always keep in mind my audience. Who am I speaking with? Now, I will not mimic someone else's vernacular just because I want to try and fit in or something like that. I will never pretend to be something I'm not just because I think it's going to give me some sort of advantage in communication or contracting with another contract party. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about word choices. I'm talking about if I'm teaching quantum grammar to a student, I'm not going to teach them quantum grammar using quantum grammar to teach it. How ridiculous does that sound? I think I touched on this in another podcast. If you teach a language to someone else, you have to teach it to them in their native tongue. If I'm going to teach you Spanish, I have to teach it to you using English, if you speak English. Otherwise, you're not going to learn it. It's the same thing with quantum grammar. And it's the same thing with, I'm not going to go around speaking in quantum grammar, you know, saying things like, for the claimant's knowledge of the facts is with this claim of the correct sentence structure, communication, parse, syntax, grammar, correctness with the conveyance of the communications with this statement by this claimant, so on and so forth. I'm not going to go around talking like that to someone who does not know quantum grammar. What use is it in that scenario? Who's benefiting from it? I mean, okay, it might make me feel like Mr. Smart Guy or something. But other than that, or it may make the other person feel stupid. And that might make me feel good if I was that type of person, which I'm not. But I see this happen a lot in the uh, public forums and things like that. And it's sad. But of course, everybody has their own choice or they want to participate with. So when choosing one's language and grammar to use and word choice, you definitely, you know, I consider my audience. Who am I speaking to? And what is the best way that I can get my point across? Because I'm definitely not here to be misunderstood. I want to be understood. I want to be, uh, I don't want there to be any confusion in what I'm conveying. So a lot of times, if you contact me at my email address, I will reply to you using quantum grammar, using correct sentence structure, communication, parsing, syntax, grammar. But I will also translate into plain English using brackets, 
in italics and quotations and things like that. I do the same in my correct sentence structure claims to fiction corporations, so to speak, you know, through, through the posta, uh, through the postal system. If I make a postal claim, I nine times out of 10 will translate everything I'm saying into plain English. Number one, because it's a great uh, learning tool for me to solidify my knowledge. And number two, I want them to know that I have closure on everything that is that I'm doing, that I'm not trying to uh, confuse them. I'm not trying to uh, be misunderstood because guess what? That's a fiction tool. The fiction writes piles and piles of paperwork and documents using legalese because they want to be misunderstood. They want to confuse whoever they're sending this agreement to. That's not me. I don't want to do that. I want to be understood. If I write a contract and I've been, you know, I've been writing correct sentence structure, communication, parsing, syntax, grammar, contract pretty steady for about three years now. I want to be understood. So therefore I translate it into plain English and make sure all the terms and conditions are easily cognizable. So to move on to specific terms that I look for, as I am a peaceful and neutral vessel moving through the sea of space, utilizing such instruments as my claim of the live life, my sea pass sea treaty, my fate writ volition claim, domicile claim, my grammar tutor claim, my port authority claim, all these types of claims, um, I have closure on my terms and conditions and I'm very cognizant of the grammar I use within these documents. I avoided all contracts with uh, military. I do not contract with any authoritarians or authoritarian followers or militaristic people or warlike people because as Colin David Eiffelwin, Colin Miller and Colin Russell-J. Colin Gould have stated on multiple occasions, war negates contract. So if there is a contract that has been put in place through coercion, physical violence, you know, someone beating someone up and forcing them to sign a contract, well, that's an act of war and that contract is negated by the very manner it was created. Keep that in mind and uh, think about that for a minute. <laughs> uh, so what I'm saying is, any contract that you went into that you were nascent about the language that was used. You did not know about the grammar that was being used. You didn't know the meaning of it. You didn't know the mechanics behind it. Uh, you didn't understand the words, so on and so forth. Or you were threatened or someone actually beat you up or blackmailed you to get you to sign a contract, well, that contract is, is, is null and void. Down, or, you know, straight down the line. Because everyone that is a party to the contract must, have, get, must give consent and they must have closure on the grammar. Now, I kind of went off on a wild tangent there. So I'm going to come back to some of the terms I look for 
that people use not only in you know quantum grammar contract but in fiction babble contract one word that jumps to my mind is the word capture now, i've thought about this capture is a is a term of war it's a term of coercion because what happens when you capture something now that thing is your captive which means you are holding it against its will whatever it is you 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 came by it by force you captured it and now you're holding it by force as a captive in captivity war negates contract so anything that's been captured essentially that contract is is null and void because of the very fact as colin russell and colin david have stated in many many videos war negates contract and physical violence uh coercion blackmail those types of things those are acts of war they negate the contracts so that's one word i look for capture another word i look for is control now control is also a term of war because it implies coercion to control something you're not saying you're stewarding something or you're guiding something no you're controlling something capture and control those are things that i do not contract with and if i see people using those words i have to look deeper say what is the volition behind the why this person's using these words and by the way if you look up the history of the word comp troller, I don't know, you can look it up yourself on Google. I have found that it is actually a misspelling of the word controller. It was a typo. Just throwing that out there. Because I always wondered about that word comp troller. Because it always seemed a little goofy to me. Well, now I know. And you could look it up too on Google and get the closure on that. this podcast didn't really play out the way that I wanted it to play out, but I feel it may have some value to some people out there in that I showed a little bit about how I audit uh, the vessels that come in and out of my construct and what I allow in and what I don't. And on that note, I will say that I'm with the vision of the jettison of those vessels who are warlike or those who contract with other warlike vessels or those who condone or agree with coercion and uh, bullying and acts of war those types of things capturing uh, controlling no thank you and so i've begun doing that you know cleaning out my construct and jettisoning jettisoning those vessels who participate with that type of thing because that's not what i'm about i'm about peace and neutrality and i will only contract with those to the best of my knowledge who uh, are in joinder with those terms and conditions peace neutrality rule one rule equal honor and grace which is very important the honor and the grace can't have one without the other and have a balance. And that's what correct sentence structure communication, parsley syntax grammar is all about. It's about balancing the facts 
have enclosure in the now space because we have plenty of now space with which to give closure. And on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. If you have any grammar questions, and I mean that, any grammar questions, I still have people contacting me, asking me, how, you know, can you help me with my live life claim? Can you help me get my C pass? Uh, what do you think of this person? What do you think about that person? Well, that stuff doesn't concern me because my public claim is grammar tutor. That's what I do. And I'll be more than happy to help you with your grammar questions or set you up with a consultation if you're interested in applying for my confidential workshops. So that's jasonmatthewg17 at gmail.com. You send me an email and I will get back to you. And you will see a performance exactly like I describe in this podcast where I will answer you in quantum grammar translated into plain English so that there is no uh, misunderstanding. And before I go, I would like to offer a statement of gratitude to those two men who brought correct sentence structure, communication, parsing, syntax, grammar to the public all those years ago. Colon David hyphen Wynn colon Miller and colon Russell hyphen J colon Gould. They brought this grammar to the public and then David passed and then Russell became sole copyright copy claim holder of the grammar that he helped bring to the public. And I'm eternally grateful for that because it's enabled me to do what I do and to help many, many people and uh, give them the gift of correct grammar if they choose to partake in it. Have a great day.